Welcome to the Asbury Park Vibes podcast. Asbury Park Vibes is dedicated to sharing information about the live music scene in the Asbury Park area, as well as the bands who've traveled through. Asbury Park Vibes can be found on the web at asburyparkvibes.com, where you will find music reviews, photographs, and interviews of the music we find engaging, interesting, and enjoyable. We thank you for tuning in, downloading, or just stumbling upon our podcast. Because uh, I usually just take photographs and do stuff with uh, Asbury Park Vibes, but because everybody's sort of stuck in the house, we right. decided to do these interviews. So thanks for volunteering. Yeah, man. It's very cool. Uh, at some point, we may be famous, and then uh, everyone will be famous, and that'll be a good thing. Welcome, everybody, to Asbury Park Vibes. This is Doug Drescher, and this is my little part of the program uh, called Seen and Heard. And today I have with me 100% of the band uh, called World Sucks. And I'd like to introduce Mark. Mark, wave. And we have Nick. And Nick's going to wave because that's what we do. Mark and Nick, uh, just uh, take a second and uh, tell us where you're sitting and what have you been doing for the last three and a half months. You want to go first? You go ahead, Nick. All right. Where am I sitting? I'm sitting in uh, my bedroom in upstate New York. Uh, what have I been doing? Mostly staying indoors, <laughs> uh, working. And um, we just finally got back to practicing a little bit, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago? Yep. It had been probably four months mm -hmm. since our last like uh, get-together. So... Um, yeah, looks like at least that part of life is slowly coming back a little bit. That's excellent. And there's my daughter handing me a soda. Everyone say <laughs> hi to my daughter. Hello, daughter. <laughs> coming right out of the wall. And what about you, Mark? Where, where are you right now? What are you up to? I'm in my home in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, last three months, I've been kind of in the Petri dish, still working amongst, you know, amongst the... Uh, the non-mask wearers some people are <laughs> contesting it some are not you know i know what i'm doing um really been writing a lot to be able to you know keep the train rolling once we were able to get back to practice which we are and now it's just really been about like just trading ideas back and forth and obviously we were just like a tea kettle boiling so we had a ton of ideas all new stuff that we're looking forward to unleashing everybody and you know I dare say faster and more pissed off, which is 
saying something? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, after, you know, checking out the videos and listening to the music, I, uh, is it possible to go much faster or be any, ang- I sound like yeah. Chandler Bing. Could you be any angrier? <laughs> uh, so, um, be angrier. Whether I can actually play faster is a whole other thing. Cause that first practice was a little rough after four months. It's, but, it's amazing how quickly you fall out of practice when you're trying to do your thrash drummy thing. Yeah, it's pretty physical, and I'm not a physical specimen. By sure. So let's let's take a step back and talk a little bit about the band. Obviously, you're not youngins to uh, playing your instruments. Uh, Nick plays drums. Mark plays guitar. And uh, I would venture a guess, Mark, that you picked up the guitar lefty and didn't take any uh, formal lessons because all your heavy strings are on the bottom. So... Uh, the nice thing is, is that other lefties can't play your guitar, though it must be a pain in the ass that everybody wants to grab your guitar because they can. So how, how long has this version of what you're doing been around, and, and where did you guys come from before you started World Sucking? Um, <laughs> me, me and Nick have uh, been friends for, what, 25 years? Yep. And uh, we came from, I was in a band, Enemy, and uh, Nick was basically like the unofficial member before he was a member of the band. Which meant that he carried the equipment. Is that what you're yeah, saying? No, did a lot of no. <laughs> did, he, did he have a van? Is that what it was? He drove you guys around? Oh, no, man, no, what? really just at every practice. Like, I didn't you even know, drive at that point. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. At every practice, like really supportive, learned the songs because, you know, it was pretty much inevitable that he was going to be in the band anyway. Um, we stayed friends, even though we ventured into different places. Nick went into like indie rock over the years. I, I stayed metal. I really did. I was a vocalist mainly for most of uh, all through like the 2004 area. I started picking up the guitar, playing like heavy clutch stuff, like kind of because that's all I could play. You know, I was just teaching myself stuff, ear taught. What can I do? How can I, you know, what do I want to do with this? Um, as I started getting faster, started getting more confident, me and Nick started having conversations. Nick really wanted to play heavy stuff again. And, uh, you know, it was just, we got into this band. We had three people at first. The guy dropped off real fast. And me and Nick were just, oh, we're going to keep going. And to that point, I think through 2013, 2016, we were practicing. Didn't really play a show until 2015. Kind of just like getting some stuff together. Didn't find our voice. Then 2016, you know, we know what happened and we became what we were going to become. We used this band as a platform, as a voice, as a responsibility. Um, and that's where it came from. I mean, when we wrote Separatist, it was like, this is on. Like, so we actually have Donald Trump's election to thank you for your musical career. We'll give him one point for that. How's that? <laughs> Funny story. Well, to take that point and put it up is, no, nah, anyway. Um, so funny story about that though, when, uh, that night that he got elected, I wrote part of separatist. I sent Nick a picture on my phone. My hands were bleeding. I was so pissed off and I was like, okay, this is, this is something we're going to do something with this. And, and it's just been, it's just been this ongoing kind of like, what can we do to help? Not so much just, Oh, what can we do to be angry? Cause you were angry. We're writing angry music. Like what can we do to write angry music? Be intelligent about it. Still be pissed off about it. Still bring it to people and just be like, yeah, this this is the perspective you hopefully should have. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, just sort of get to get through the nuts and bolts. 
most most bands without trying to put you into a cubicle but most bands in this ballpark of the music that you're producing that thrashy guttural throat thing um most bands are really looking to have a very heavy bottom to the music but you don't have a bass player was the decision that you lost your bass player and it was just a whole hell of a lot in, easier to just deal with one other person or or what is the what is the decision to go in this direction it's still kind of an active decision like we don't <laughs> every now and then we're like eh, maybe we'll get a bass player and then we think about it and we decide against it in that moment because the dynamic between me and mark is just it's really i mean it's obviously we've been friends forever but it's so easy i mean songs come to us you know we write songs at like like a pretty fast clip that i'm not i mean it's just kind of like finish each other's sentences at practice or even in life so it would be hard i think to get someone in and i mean not to play i'm pretty sure people could play our stuff i'm not but like just speaking our language and getting up to speed um, on just like the kind of like our timings and our like what we're going for and just feel like it's just it seems like an uphill battle <laughs> so well, when you guys play live i mean you certainly sound tight and well rehearsed but by not having a bass player does that give you the opportunity to sort of find a riff or a little bit of a groove and and stay with that longer and not have to worry about a third musician being in the right key or playing the right notes yeah, I, mean, I can't speak to that because I don't know from that. Like, I, I, if you told me to play like an F chord, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's, it's all just these two strings tuned the way I have them. They're all power chords. It's going up and down the neck and finding things, you know, even when we're like discussing doing covers and stuff like that and how, how I teach myself those covers. And I think for me, like, it's funny too. We talk about having a bass player in sometimes and it's like, how the hell would I show them what I'm doing? Like everything would be talking to, this is on the seventh string. This is on the 13th. Well, it, it would probably be more likely where you record most of the tune and then send it to the bass player and say, figure out a part because I don't want to have to tell you anything because, because I'm not really able to articulate it <laughs> in the you language. Here's the you tape. have a friend who learned the whole first album. Yeah. Because he was just like, you want to hear what it sounds like with bass? And we're like, oh, maybe. So he came down to practice and he, and he played with us. And it was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But, you know, we were just like, that's like, it's easier because that's already written. And I'm pretty sure, like I said. Well, that's, like, that's what I'm thinking is if. To but getting to the written part. Yeah. I think the tough part. And you would, I wouldn't want to have someone in the band who wasn't part of that too. You know what I mean? Like, right. I wouldn't want to have like a, like a hired gun necessarily playing bass. Also to your point about like wrong notes and stuff. To be fair, it's probably me and Mark are messing up the most. So I think we'd have a bass player who's just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Well, that's what I'm saying is when there's only one guy playing notes, there are wrong notes. If you hit a note, you have that freedom to sort of explore the direction to go in without having to look up and make sure that there's another stringed instrument tagging along. Or like, I think there's a certain freedom with that too. Like for example, you listen to, you know, let's just, for example, you listen to like, disposable heroes from Metallica or something. I mean, that is thought out. That is like, that's a formula. It, you know, for me, writing is like, you know, what dog chasing cars. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, they don't know what to do if they catch it. Obviously, it's just that, like, I hear something. I think it works. Sometimes Nick will be like, no, it doesn't work. Scrap that part. 
and we'll do that and something better will always come of it. So it's like for these last three months, it's been, you know, like I said, you're kind of like at the gate waiting for the gun to go off because you're, I'm sitting there writing all this stuff and I'm like, I don't have the other half. It's not complete as sure. good as some of the riffs are or some, I like some of the stuff and some of the ideas. It can't be considered anything until we do it live, obviously, or do it in the studio. Well, I think one of the things that's very interesting about what you're doing and, and quite possibly some of your contemporaries is that it is very angry, very violent, very kick-in-the-teeth music with a very peaceful, very pro-humanist attitude. When you invite friends from work or neighbors or cousins and stuff to come see you play, and, and, and you both seem like relatively articulate, sedate humans and then you kick off i'm assuming you must have a big muff pie or some sort of fuzz box that you're kicking through there in the guitar what what what's their reaction from these articulate politically progressive guys to these two lunatics who blood is now dripping from your nose and your throat from from the scream uh i'll let nick take that first (laughs) uh i mean obviously everyone takes a step back first uh, when we get going, but I've actually, it's, it's funny. It's the first, like, I think heavy band I've been in that appeals across like tastes, I guess. Cause I was, I've, I, I play like Mark said, like I've played a lot of indie rock. I still do and power pop and stuff. So I have a lot of people who I've met through those scenes who are like, Oh, I want to see your metal band kind of mostly to see like, Oh, let me see what this is about. And you know, they, they're into it, even though it's not something they would pick up normally or probably not a show they would go to if they didn't know people in the band. But we have like made like, like repeat watchers and listeners and like fans out of like people who otherwise like this is not their thing. So I don't know if it's, I mean, I think we write kind of um, different than a lot of bands in our genre, let's say. And, 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 and how do you say, because it's just a two piece or because oh, yeah. it's politically progressive? I think those two things, sure, but I think, um, you know, we kind of, I think actively, at least at first, it's kind of it's more natural now. We tried to stay away from some of the usual trappings of stuff in the scene or in, the, in that genre. Like, we tried to, like, at first it was just, like, my thing was, just, like, I want to play as fast as pop- possible so people can't even move. Like, there's not, not going to be any hard, there's not going to be any moshing because you can't even keep up. Like, I don't want to have any breakdowns because I don't want to see, like, you know, just people getting thrown against the wall and shit. Like, in our old band, like, that's what we were, it was the exact opposite. You wanted, like, that response, and we were just kind of, like, tired of seeing it. So you take a lot of those parts out that a lot of bands use, and they're effective. Um, So you got to come up with something else. And and so with that, I don't, I didn't hear any samples or breakdown bass parts, you're, you're not using any drum samples or triggers. What no. you hear is absolutely what's being not. played absolutely live. Warts and all. Yeah. <laughs> we're, and there are we, warts if you listen. <laughs> we're really trying to like, not trying. I mean, it's just something that one, if I can't emulate it live, it's not going on the CD. Yeah. Two, if, it's, if, it, if, we can't, if we can't do something without an effect, then it's not us. It's just that's how I feel about it. Like I, I want to be able to go on that stage, play through eleven amps with like you know seven 
you know, seven ABC switches if I have to make it the loudest, most obnoxious thing possible. But the message is still there. I think one thing that Nick touched on before was our, our seems that this music, regardless of metal, and let's face it, I mean, metal is pretty dumb. Let's just be real. Like you, you have these bands that, you know, and they're still on with the misogyny and, you know, the women and the chains and, and, and all this stuff. And, you know, all these bands with their, their Viking heritage or whatever. Well, there's something ultimately very insincere about what some of those bands are doing. Right. That's what you do all good. You know what I mean? But I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to party. I'm not here to, I'm not here to put on a facade. I'm here to go on stage in the same thing that, you know, I woke up in and tear your fucking face off. Like, like our show live is honestly, so I step back and I'm like, Jesus, it's really something to watch. I mean, even being in the band, when you're up there, like, I feel like I almost kind of like, and this might sound weird, but I feel like I almost like, like come out of myself. Because I'm very, yeah, I can't be. But that's the, that's the zone that you're in. You, you yeah. have this place that you go. Uh, some musicians who don't have that maybe try to jumpstart that with alcohol and drugs, but yeah. you don't strike me as that. I think you're probably more straight edge than, than that. Uh, Mark is. <laughs> yeah, you nailed me there. Well, drummers have to have beer, otherwise, they have nothing to sweat. I'm telling you, every other band, yeah, like couple beers before i go on this band if i have one it slows me down so much that it's just like impossible plus i'm like in my 40s i can't be i can't be getting bombed and doing this stuff <laughs> we both so, are i mean so i yeah i stay pretty sober for this band sure you know we're both in our 40s i'm 44 and like i don't even i live yeah i mean it's like uh but you don't feel it like i i don't feel it up there i don't feel like there's anything i can't do that i didn't do when i was 20 you know like i just i just don't no, it's not a lot of ways, actually. But what we, do you do? Honestly, like, I love the fact that there's so many people, there's so many bands that aren't metal, so many bands that are, and they're just like, we want to play with you guys. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's, that's really, like, humbling, because it's like a lot of people are just like, ugh, it's metal loud, I want to walk away. People are coming in, not leaving. I think it has a lot to do. I think the fact that Somebody showed me a picture of somebody at a Black Lives Matter protest wearing a punch your local Nazi shirt. That meant everything to me. You know, sure. because it's that's exactly what we wanted that song to do. It wasn't like, and I think Nick was a pretty brilliant when we filmed our first video. Like I had a lot of ideas that were very like, oh, I want this Nazi to come out and like get punched in the face. You know, I, I, that's how I am. That's how I handle things. Nick came up with a great idea that why don't we just have this like a Laurel and Hardy type of calamity happening to him getting hit with pies in the face and this and that. It's still the same kind of ridicule for what you're putting out there, but it doesn't have to show us as like these like bullies and, you know, hardcore tough guys. Like it literally shows that we're trying to be. Well, I guess one of the questions since you touched on black lives matter, what took, so much of this country, such a long time to catch up. Uh, hold on a second. My dog is eating something that shouldn't be eating. Hey, Been guys. There. Can anyone kill the dog for me? <laughs> Hello? Get the dog. He's eating something. It looks like an IUD. Oh, God. <laughs> Wally, get can you just get the dog out of the room, would you? Are you on a call? Yeah. 
the best part about having kids in your 20s. <laughs> and just shut the door, bud. All right. Thanks. <laughs> All right, back to live action. Um, in talking about the politics of it all, what do you think it took so much of this country such a long time to catch up to the very message that was the impetus of the punk movement and then the post-punk movement and then the thrash movement, part of the hardcore movement, not the part that splintered off and became like the skinheads that would beat the piss out of you because you're standing in the wrong spot. But really the genesis of a lot of the alternative music has always been very politically progressive. What took everyone so long to catch up to this very simple message? I mean, that's, it's a really long winded answer for me. Like, first of all, we're, we're two white dudes and we feel more responsible you know, probably, well, I do like to, to say like, I want to do everything I can to make sure that your message is being spread. I think one of the things that bothers me is a lot of people that have a bigger voice aren't out there doing it with their music. Like it, it's, it's us. And maybe it's because people are afraid. Maybe it's because people like are worried people won't buy their album. They're, they're, you know, they're alienating people. Um, we don't want you at our shows. We don't want people that are in league with certain things. Like uh, I'll say it very openly, you know, a Pantera fan probably isn't going to dig what we're saying. You know what I mean? Like they're not lamb of God, people, people who, you know, welders metal, I call it, <laughs> you know, um, we're, somebody came up with a, a, of a label for us that I really liked. And they were like, you guys are like anti-metal, which I love the idea of that because it's like, we're taking this music that I love that's been the soundtrack to my entire life. And we're taking it back from you. We're turning it around on you and showing you that metal was supposed to, I mean, I didn't learn anything, you know, for, I learned the news from Megadeth. I knew what was going on because of Metallica and stuff, you know, like, that's how I got my education in civil rights and all this stuff and started getting deeper into things and, you know, still not anywhere where I need to be. But, you know, every day I try to make some sort of transition into don't, that. Don't you find with some of the younger bands, say, um, they, they may have a very positive message, but it all seems so sad at the end that you know, it's easy to complain about things. It's easy to say how everything is bad. But it seems like you guys offer some sense of hope where many of the other bands just sort of make their, they, they earn their bones by just saying everything sucks, nothing's worthwhile, you know, right. we're all alone, and, right. and there's nothing that, to look forward to. That's pretty much, I mean, I don't want to paint everyone with that brush, but you know, I mean, you were talking about, you know, what took so long. And I think, like, the L.A. 80s punk rock stuff is probably, like, my touchstone. And they're all saying the same thing. It doesn't end on a, but we can do this note, you know. They're just like, this sucks, you know. Um, and I think when you're probably that that age, I mean, I was that age once, you know. You don't, you don't, you know things suck. You don't know what to do about them. And I think. I think there are a lot of bands now, though, that are younger, because we've played with them, um, who maybe they're not saying it so much in their songs, uh, and it's not coming across that way, but 
in terms of what they do as bands and as people in terms of like, all right, here's an organization we need to support. Here's, you know, let's rally around this cause. Let's rally around these people. Let's support these, you know, these organizations. Here's why, here's what they're doing. And a lot of times it's like very small stuff, like organizations you would never have heard of otherwise, you know, especially like, um, I think we've done some stuff in Brooklyn with bands over there who just are, you know, really keyed into their communities. Uh, you know, I think that's, I think in a song, it's more effective probably to just convey a certain emotion. And, you know, it's, you know, it's like part, it's, you know, it's part of the effect of the tune, but what you do alongside that with your band and with your music, I think is just as important. And, you know, like, you know, back in the day with like rock, rock against racism and things like that, like it's, it did, I, I mean, it could also have been I wasn't paying attention as much in the 90s, maybe, but that seemed to definitely go away in the 90s. And I think that's because I think, I mean, I was, I was young, but conscious, sort of, that I think a lot of people thought certain things went away. Sure. You know, it's like during the Clinton era. And, well, a, a lot of this progressive change has taken place in the, in the very three months where we can't go out and talk about it in public because we're all locked down. Uh, but I'm, I would imagine that, uh, well, first, you being a little bit older than most of the kids that you may play with, wh when you go to a show and you're the age of the parents of the kids who are, who are playing on the same gig, you know, how do you, how do you deal with, with them looking at you like that? Do you, do you feel like you, you want to be like, dude, we're going to show you how it's done now? That's obviously a question for you, Mark. <laughs> no, not, not, not like we're going to show you how it's done. Um, we do <laughs> <laughs> but it's i think it's just the it's it's natural like i mean there's one of the one of the things that goes around with a couple bands we've played with and it's it's funny everybody says it funny but i wonder how much of it is actually rooted in reality and if it is a realistic um it, you know um realization on their part like or not realization i'm looking for if it's a realistic uh idea in their head that they don't want to play after us <laughs> Like they're like, no, nah, I don't want to play after them. Yeah, it's like we, we close a lot of shows. <laughs> What's that? We close a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's like I think we've kind of like people have us on shows, and one of the things that we've noticed too about playing our shows is that we don't necessarily we play with metal bands, but we actually don't play with a lot of metal bands. We play with a lot of punk bands, and yeah. uh, we play with a lot of like um, like Riot Girl punk bands and stuff like that i think that there's this camaraderie just based on the music what they know about us as people and that this isn't this isn't a gimmick like we're not this we're not trying to sell this this is who we are but the music is just what we love to play and this is how we love to play it right. one of my favorite things about our lyrics and I take that very seriously when we're lyric writing and stuff. I think one of my favorite things about our lyrics is like their stories. They put you in a, in a perspective of like a real life scenario or real life situation. Like it's not like this. I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe metal lyrics. Some of it's just dumb. Like <laughs> It's just dumb. But even but, if you're trying not to be dumb, you don't want to, you know, you have to toe the line between being saying what you want to say and not preaching at people. Well, I, I, I have to admit, uh, well, first off, I have to admit that that thrash metal isn't my area of expertise 
I don't really have any of our area of expertise, but even in this genre, I have trouble understanding what you're trying to say. Yeah. Do you hand out lyric sheets or, or how do you, how do you get, there's, there's sort of two questions here. One is when people sing a song, when, when the, when the kids in the crowd sing along with you guys, which I'm sure happens, how did, they, how did they figure out what you were saying? And B, do you ever hand out lyrics so people can figure out what's going on? Because I'm in my mid-50s, and, and I, up until a few months ago, I would go to a lot of shows, and there may be a thrash punk band on once in a while, and, and I try, I really try, but that, that lower throat sort of entrail being ripped out scream I'm I'm at a bit of a loss, and I'd like to know what's going on. So so how do they know the words, and 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 where do we find lyrics so we know what you're saying? Lyrics are uh, Bandcamp, I think, for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first record has the lyrics in it. The second record, we chose not to, you know, do the uh, the Digipack limited edition <laughs> version <laughs> where we put everything in it. Now we actually. Um, Decided to just put everything was up on Bandcamp, uh, you know, the pretty simplistic sleeve for the CD for the second album. Mm-hmm. But, and, and that album it is the call to arms. I think, like I said, I love our first record, uh, Perfectly Imperfect. It, now, is the first record warning you with peace yeah. and love? Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was like a lot of just, uh, you know, it's, all the, it's like all the songs we had at the time. And I mm-hmm. think Separatist is kind of like, the turning point in terms of like, okay, this is the direction we're going lyrically and musically. We had, I think we first stepped into it with On The Beat, which was about cop violence. And, you know, then we started going that direction. But to your point about people knowing the lyrics, I think I'm gonna guess they probably only know a few. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it, it is something that we've talked about. Like on one hand, it's, I think it would be great if you had a projector with the bouncing ball. <laughs> well, we were thinking of doing, and I never understood the point of them until it dawned on me that, oh, maybe we should be a band that does lyric videos, you know? <laughs> like, because there are things like... Well, I know, think that potentially you're missing some subtleties to the writing yeah. because the, uh, the performance is very in your face, but I think there's, there's a certain subtle message that, I'd love for more people to hear. I think more people would be interested uh, because, and I think you'd have to admit that the music you're playing appeals to a very narrow percentage of people who like music. It's, it's, I mean, I'm sure there may be kids who do this, but it's not the music I'm listening to as I'm dozing off before I go to sleep because, (laughs) you know, I sort of sit up and I want to be like, you know, I I think you, you know, expanding your audience because there's an important message there's an important message there that I don't want to get lost in the performance. So yeah, I think it's something that we think about and it's to, it's like the struggle between the sound you want and that includes vocals. Um, and knowing that you're saying and writing stuff that's important, you know, to either me, to both of us, so we both like write lyrics um, and really wanting people to, latch on to that as well. I mean, I think most people who come see us, they actually, they know what we stand for. So they mm-hmm. kind of assume it's in every song. Um, but I think, you know, they're mostly latching on to like the energy of our performance. Sure. And a couple of things, like it's easy to sing along to punch your local Nazi. <laughs> so 
that's that's one of the things when when we debuted that song um we had talked about it in practice prior like it, it was it was kind of like not planned but just thought it was a good idea to have kind of one of those old school sing-along parts where everybody pumped their fists knew what they were saying and to not be like you know can't be about it is be like literally like make the world a better place punch a nazi in the face all right so once we once we wrote that part and we debuted it we had a lot of people singing and it really caught on sure. now i don't have to really ask like the people who come and see us you know the regulars of this and you could really just like kind of in the middle of that part like that breakdown right before it you just you can just kind of get everybody involved and be like look if, if you don't know if you don't know what to do and this is your first time follow the lead you know them because <laughs> you got somebody singing it somebody knows it and you know it becomes infectious i think a lot of people like saying it i think it's a relief for what's going on a, uh, you know a positive release for what sure. but it's also like even on the back of the shirt you know the punch your local nazi shirt we had debated on putting up that shirt do we want to put people in this position and i was like if people don't want to be in this position, they won't buy it. Sure. You know, and, um, yeah, but there, there's, there's a certain mark of credibility wearing a shirt to school that gets you sent home. <laughs> I would, I would, I would love to send, uh, I would love to send the first kid that gets sent home a poor punch. Look, come back free CD. I, I'd be like, I'd like do you know, be on his Facebook, you know, do the whole thing, you know, that's so. funny. So, so as individuals and as a band, who, who are the people that influenced you? What are the, what's the music that you guys listen to when you're driving? Oh, um, me, it's a lot of uh, Thin Lizzy, Leonard Skinner, believe it or not. Um, early, you know, a lot of, a lot of early Southern rock. I really, the guitar work in that, forget the lyrics, forget, I mean, some of it's a little like, but the guitar work in that, some of the some of the drums, some of the arrangements in that are like, mis very heavy. Sure. Honestly, like I mean, some of the early, thirty eight special stuff is like, really hard rock. I mean, I know. But I don't hear any southern rock or Dwayne Allman in your guitar playing. Who, who um, was the guitar player that made the hair on your arm stand up and you said, I I need to do this. From from a metal standpoint, or just overall? from from just life, just. You know, listen to the music. Who who inspires you to play the guitar? I'd probably I'd probably say Steve Gaines and Alan Collins from Leonard Skinner. Like I said, those two and like I you know I was three years old listening to Kiss. My brother, uh, you know, he bought me my first record at Caldor. He Kiss a lot. <laughs> there's a, there's like, a name from the past, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. And my mom was like, "No, forget this." And he was like, "No, I'm going to buy it for him." Well, you know, played that for till six or seven, and then he was like, came in, knocked the headphones off me in Kevin fashion, <laughs> and was like, now you're going to listen to some real music. He put on Skinner, and the first thing I heard was, you know, working for the MCA. I was like, whoa, this is music. Kiss is, you know, circus. It's a, this is music. This is real. And then it was just like down from there, like just finding my way to. You know, I am a huge metal fan, death metal fan, but you know, I branched out on my own very early. Like from my brother, he was very influential with keeping, like watching him play music, listening to music with him all the time. It was like our bond. It was our friendship. It was like the bloodline. That's what. And does he enjoy coming to see you guys play and knows that he's part of that? You know, unfortunately, Kevin never got to see us live. Kevin, oh. um, but Kevin was my father. Kevin was everything to me. 
Mm-hmm. And he I, saw our know, old band, I think. Right? He saw our old he saw our old bands. Oh think, yeah, he he's but, seen me and Nick play yeah. together, absolutely. And uh, yeah, he didn't live to see this one. He but didn't that, get to see. That must be something that you carry in your heart when you're playing as well. We have a song that we rarely play. Never recorded it. We have a song called "No Fucks Given." It's about him. It's actually mm-hmm. about his life, who he was. It's a departure from our other stuff, from our you know my very anti-religious banter on some of the first album. Uh, you know, there's a there's a song about my sister-in-law's wedding on that album. So it went a lot of personal direction, the Warning You album. Um, but uh, every now and again, we play No Fucks, and I feel like he's there with me. Like, I, I really feel like he's there. Well, I, I, I think that would be a wonderful tribute to put that out so people could be part of that. Yeah, we, we've definitely talked about that. Yeah. And, and Nick, um, I, you know, I don't know very many drummers, although everyone wants to play the drums. Uh, first off, I have to tell you, if I was a drummer in a, in a playing band, it would piss me off when the other bands asked to use your kit. How do you deal with having these kids fuck your shit up because they don't know how to treat the kit with respect? Yeah, well, <laughs> I haven't had that happen too often. Usually, I'm okay with people using the kit. Bring your own snare, bring your own cymbals the breakables yeah uh but i've had you know i've had kids just be like and it's usually like younger guys who just are like oh i didn't think i had to bring anything and i'm like listen go ahead just don't break anything and usually everyone's pretty cool i haven't had too many jerks uh use my stuff luckily and i did a, I did a i mean we've we've toured a bit and i was in a band that toured a lot and the amount of it's odd that you go to someone's hometown and they thought they think they're going to use your stuff but yeah <laughs> which happens a but lot. i would imagine when you if you're touring with the same group of people then you sort of have an agreement otherwise oh, well, that, yeah you're bringing four bands worth of backline crap in one van no sense to do that right. but a one-off and I, I always felt bad for for whoever's drums it was where it's like the guy's touching this you know the angle of the the tom you know <laughs> don't touch my stuff but that Most aside, pretty mellow about it because yeah. I use—I mean, I definitely use my share of other people's stuff too, and you know. Well, that's, you well let's let's go in that direction. It, look, I've played the guitar since I was about nine, and my guitar is set up a very particular way. If I went to a gig and I was ready to perform, and I had to use somebody else's guitar, yeah, I I'd be like, shit, I I have no idea how this guitar is going to feel, how it's going to resonate in my hands, yeah. because as any guitar player would tell you. It's set up for them. There is there is a mystic bond between a guitar player and the way he sets his guitar up. And guitar players, probably more than any other instrument in, in a touring band, don't want other guitar players to touch your guitar. Maybe use the amp if you have to, but not the floor pedals and not the guitar. Right. When you have to use somebody else's kit, does that get in the way in how yeah. you want to play? Yeah, I mean... You're never going to set someone else's kit up, even if they let you, even if they're just like, do whatever you need to do. You're just never going to get it. Well, especially if you're tuning your toms to a certain, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, pattern down. Right. Or even just the feel of the certain of the heads they use versus the heads you use or sure. how old their heads are, like getting around, especially in our band, super quick. Like you don't. It's just, it takes a song to get used to the response of everything. Sure. Um, and then, so as long who, as you have the snare. Like I, the snare to me is like the voice, it's the voice of the drum kit. But so I would think the snare and in, in, in a band like yours, the, the bass drum, because the, yeah. the bass is holding down that, that bottom end. And I, I'm under the impression you have a double kick drum pedal setup. Yeah. No, well, I have two kick drums. Okay, well, it makes it easier. 
I figured there's only two of us. I might as well take up some room. <laughs> yeah, make it a lot harder to set up. So who are the and drummers? That, who are the bands that you listen to? Who are the drummers that you aspire to? Oh, boy. Uh, drummers I aspire to. A uh, lot of lot of prog drummers, uh, Bruford, um, Michael Giles, uh, early King Crimson. Have you uh, recovered from Neil Peart's death? I'm not sure I ever will. That was a that was a very important moment when I was 12 and put on 2112. And mm-hmm. you know, I'd read a lot about him. I was already reading drum magazines by them, and it just finally was like, oh, I got to get a record from this band just to see what the fuss is about. And I couldn't believe how blown away I was. And it actually was something like my, my dad, my dad was always very supportive of the music I listened to, even if he hated it and the bands I was in, even if he hated it. Um, but Rush was one, one he had never really listened to them either. And we were both like, wow, this band kills. Um, and then, you know, a lot of jazz drummers, a lot of jazz drummers, mostly a goal I'll never achieve, but it's, it's fun to dream. Like, uh, you know, Tony Williams, uh, bunch of bunch of jazz drummers i love uh, sure um max roach doesn't get the uh the kudos that i think he deserves he invented a genre of drum yeah as opposed to um gene krupa who gets a lot of credit for the sing 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 those toms the bum 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 bum, it's a great great, uh, great drum line though it is but but uh, i think uh, max and and in interviews in max roach uh you could tell sometimes he feels like he didn't get his just due at the time probably not especially because he was so radical i mean no one was playing with that sort of speed and precision and like and still like just sick amount of groove and and taste i don't think i think that whole band i think people looked at charlie parker like he had three heads like like what are you doing many still do and what i find amazing about and and i love jazz and i love jazz drumming they never look like they're working hard and they're wearing a goddamn suit and tie. Right. Could you imagine doing what you guys do wearing a jacket and tie? No. I can't even wear pants or a full shirt with sleeves. Yeah. yeah. So you got this guy, he's all buttoned up and 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 it just it it's like just smooth and, and it's all technique. It's all wrists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It really and so, I don't even know that much. And that's about. part of the reason to aspire too. Like just be like how could you be mo- more efficient with your movement instead of like wanting to die after 45 minutes? <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you'd need oxygen, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, one of the things that I've been asking all the bands uh, and regardless if this is embarrassing or not, uh, what was the first legitimate concert you attended? We're going to start with you, Mark. First legitimate. Not not your parents taking you to see the local oh. kids singing sing along sure, sure, at the sure. carnival. First got tickets, went, and at the moment you thought you were really cool. No, uh, nineteen eighty two. It was uh, Blackfoot and thirty eight special in uh, Rutgers uh, Rutgers College. Um, that whatever that pavilion is where the they play basketball games. They were having oh, the rack. Oh, the uh, rack center, yeah. And um. I was like, that's, I mean, watching, I remember watching Ricky Medlock, you know, he's in Skinner, was in Skinner, went back to Skinner later. But Ricky Medlock started Blackfoot, who's also another hard rock, heavy metal band. A lot of people don't give them credit for how just unbelievably heavy and talented that band is. Just kind of fell, you know, through the cracks. But anyway, um, 
amazing band live. That was something else. See, 38 Special had two drummers and both of them don't do what Nick does. So I remember being really like, why is there two kids up there? And they're both playing the same thing. It's not like one's doing this and then another second, somebody's like coming in like a round. <laughs> they were literally <laughs> playing identical drum beats. And I was like, it's, it's like the band couldn't decide who to fire. So they just kept them both. <laughs> both. Yeah. Exactly. But it felt really, it felt really thin. I remember that. I was like, yeah, they didn't, I didn't like them live as much as I liked them on album. I think 38 special, especially, and, and, it, and, and I guess I'm about 10 years older than you guys. I think they were one of the Southern rock bands that really benefited from the explosion of MTV because they had a yeah. huge hit in hang. It was it hang on loosely. Hold but on loosely. loosely. Yeah. And, and that was in heavy rotation for a very long time. It was in their first hour. It was in MTV's first hour was yeah. that video. Was it really? Wow. Yeah. There were only four bands with it was that and video killed the radio star. It was uh, Nick. What's what's your first uh, legitimate concert? Uh, the aforementioned Rush uh, during the Counterparts tour in '94. And where was that? Uh, that was the Brendan, the old Brendan Byrne Arena, which I guess is the Izod Center now. Well, Southern all I can tell you about the the sound in there is terrible, but terrible, but. That must have been an amazing show. I mean, for a first show, you walk into that and the lights go down. Yeah, I was uh, beside myself. And, I, and actually, someone filmed it, and it's on YouTube. And it doesn't really, you know... It never it does. Really come across. But yeah, no, I remember almost every single thing about that show. Like, just blown away. And I guess, uh, moving in this direction, if you guys could open for any band, around or not, any band in the history of time, who would you want to share the stage with? Wow. Who would want to share the stage with us? Right. That's the attitude. That's the way to do it. Um, who would you let open for you <laughs> if they asked nicely? Eh. Jeez. Who, who would we want to play with? Nick, take that one. I got to think about that. I mean – Stylistically, it wouldn't make any sense. That's okay. It's it's a long but, it's a long day. Yeah, <laughs> the Minutemen. Oh, unexpected, right, well. unexpected. The Minutemen. George Hurley pounding the skins. I kind of stole his hair a little bit. Too. Little bit from uh, the uh, uh, that's the ballot results album cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess I would say, like, you know, I guess I would go back to yeah, Thin Lizzy. It makes no sense, but absolutely. I mean. I don't think that there's a band that has put out a discography as underrated as that band. I mean, people still talk about, oh, Jailbreak's their best album. It's not even their best album. With, uh, but, you know, it's interesting. Lots of other very big bands talk about them or, or even uh, T-Rex as a huge influence. But right. if, I don't think either of them are represented in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, are they? That. Is T-Rex not? Is Mark I, I don't know, but is Mark Bolin in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? You might be right. We'll have to look I, I in on that. that. Them, I think that makes them more credible, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's absolutely like we don't need your – I mean, Iron Maiden's not in there. Right. And, Bruce Priest. I mean, Priest – you're right. I mean, there's so many bands that follow that genre that aren't in there. I mean, Black Sabbath is in because Black Sabbath is – you know what I mean? They didn't put them in because of Tony Iommi. <laughs> no it's because of ozzy it's because of the osbournes Let, let's be real 
You know, it's not. Well, they also they they didn't let themselves. They wanted they wanted to add yeah. them years ago, and Ozzy kept saying no. I don't know why he finally said yes, but probably because they put him as a solo artist first, and then he was like, oh, okay. Is he in as a solo artist? Yeah, yeah. It's all you know. It's also very possible that Ozzy doesn't know his band is in the That's Rock and Hall of Fame. <laughs> he might have forgotten. It, it may be completely foreign to him. Yeah, um, I don't think that Super Bowl commercial was like by accident. <laughs> I really think he thought that was the Osmonds. <laughs> so what's next for the band? Assuming that we don't have a second and third wave that wipes out all of uh, the Americas, and we can open up in you know, probably in a few months or next year, we start playing again. What, what are we going to see next from World Sucks? Well, we have a couple things on, uh, we have a couple things on tap. We're actually, actually in, dis in discussions right now for uh, figuring out what's on. We're going to put out kind of like a cover EP. Mm -hmm. Some of our favorite, most obscure stuff, stuff that is kind of like- Will you be covering Sweet Melissa in, in a thrash metal version? No, but yes. uh, let's just say one of the. <laughs> that's it, Nick. There, there. It's Wait, that's the last song we're looking for. That's the last one. No, <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to decide on. But actually, um, we uh, Nick knows a lot of just amazing songs that like he hips me to. So, I want to cover Onina from uh, the Muffs. Um, he, oh, yeah. we're doing okay. No way from uh, Mission of Burma, which is really kind of cool you know sounding how we're gonna do it it won't deviate too much we're talking about you know having guest stars you know on the <laughs> on the cover yeah guest bassists and or vocalists or some you know surprise yeah. vocalists and stuff just to do some different stuff um new shirt coming out we were discussing maybe like a four-part rockumentary <laughs> like you know band's life through covid in four parts kind of thing just trying to be content train coming that's the problem what's that what's that the content train rolling right so exactly but we gotta, like, so we got videos and <laughs> i think we're trying to figure out ways to say you know to to make this as um work with what we got you know we have lemons make lemonade kind of thing really i mean just we can't do everything we do but we can do some and we can do some things different and maybe change the game a little bit and keep people I don't, I'm not worried about people not being interested because like I said, it's pretty humbling people texting, Hey, what's world sucks up to you? You guys, this, you guys, that like people aren't putting on shows and like are like, people are like, Hey, you guys want to play this show. So there's this outside chance that we're going to be doing a show at the end of the summer in a park, which is cool, man. I mean, just to be able to play for people responsibly, mm -hmm. safely, making sure everybody you yep. know, doing what they should be doing, but like to be able to bring the music and bring them out of the house and bring them, a little joy and a little. Well, I, I think people, as you could see, they seem to be willing to risk their health to go out for silly things. Those aren't the people, people are jonesing to to be social again. Yeah, exactly. And it could be done safely if you're smart about it. I think. Well, that that may be the uh, <laughs> the adjective that no one seems to understand is they have to be smart about it. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, so, I mean, we're sharing a very big responsibility with a lot of very dumb people. Unfortunately, uh, un unfortunately, it's it's been a it's been a strange. I uh, I my two older and the, they're in their twenties. My daughter's eighteen, and I say to them, "Take a look what's going on," because this hasn't happened before. Right. And and when you're in your fifties and sixties, 
you know, you're going to talk about, do you remember when? Because this is big. This is big stuff. We're, we're up against a very important election, and that's going to have a lot to do with what to, whether or not you think Joe Biden is going to be a decent president or not. Uh, the, the choice for those who are awake seems fairly obvious. And, and this is, this is a, a hugely, a hugely important time in American history. And I just try to tell my kids, watch it because it's unfolding right in front of you. Man. And you'll be talking about this the rest of your life. This, these are amazing, tragic, unfortunately, but amazing days. Yeah. You know, it's, it's bizarre. It's really, it's, it's amazing. Like how, how I think about it and what you were saying about, you know, when you go on stage, do you try to teach, you know, show the young people what it's like, you know, this is how you do it. I think they're showing us how you do it. Wow. Now, this is this, this generation as, you know, as maligned people want to be with millennials, these kids are changing gun laws. These kids are, I mean, they are out there walking every day and look, maybe I can't do the miles with you, but I am with you. I'm standing with you. I don't need to be on stage speaking with you. I just need to be there behind you, supporting you and let you know that, you know, there, there's a, you know, there's a barrier between you and them and it's us. Well, I'll do what I can. I, I also have to admit if I was in a band in my twenties and there was a band in their forties playing after us, I'd want to set the bar as high as possible. You have to earn your bones if you're going to show up after working 45 hours a week. You know, I live in my parents' basement and my folks bought me this great 5150 amp you know, setup. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to prove to you, you guys got to earn that. But, but uh, that, I, I don't see you picking up that bait. You have a message and you have something to say and you're going to do it and you're going to say it. And if, if people want to come along, that's great. And if they don't, it's their loss. Yeah. We know that there's a, you know, we know there's, there's inherent, I mean, Nick brought this up in the past, you know, mm -hmm. like, we know that there's, in, like, inherent risks, we could play, we could play the wrong place, and somebody could completely be, you know, hey, you know, go up like they did with Diamond Daryl or whatever, going up on stage with a gun or something, we know how dangerous it is out there, but I mean, for us to quell our message for us to think for one second that oh man i don't know if we should go here that's not that and another thing too i think with world sucks is really important like i think that you could take our lyrics and this might sound boastful i think you could take our lyrics and put it up against any of those great revolutionary songs or you know like i feel very confident in saying that like i'll take the pepsi challenge with you any day of the week um, <laughs> our our storylines are very like billy joel-esque i have tremendous respect for how that guy puts you in the middle of that town that he's singing about I, he's, he's just he's he's more a storyteller than a songwriter he he's which creating is, an entire short story for you which yeah. is exactly what that's that's what my goal is when i write lyrics put you put you there in a moment. I don't think that's ever really been done in metal. If it has, it hasn't been done intentionally. Like and, and you know, I'm gonna go back to what Nick said earlier. I would love for you to do that and have the words at the bottom because the, the words and the meaning of your message are so important to you, but the methodology of delivery for us older folk who need probably hearing aids, we, we don't, we may be misinterpreting what's going on. Right. And, and it's hard not to be lazy sometimes and just be like, oh, it's another thrash medley thing. I'm going to, you know, go get a light beer and use the bathroom before the next band goes on. You know, I think if there's something to say, you know, put out a shirt with all your lyrics on it. That would be great. Well, I'd wear that. 
so we're that's coming actually um our our next shirt was uh drawn up by nick's friend uh brian and uh it's um it's very like it's one of the lyrics of our first song or on the new album i think that's great politicians lie cops kill rich steel that's the back of the shirt with like three very you know white dudes that all dress <laughs> politicians uh one guy dressed as a cop with his gun out and there's a so you know that's the direction we're going i don't think that we want to take our merchandise either and just be like hey let's put out this cool thing that'll make you know own the republicans or as i say own the libs or whatever like we're not trying to own anybody we're trying to just like this is what we believe and this is you know if i walk into my my brother's barbecue with all his firefighter and cop buddies i'm wearing his fucking shirt this is what it's about well and i think the world need more band the world needs more bands uh like that wear it on your sleeve be proud and and i like hearing that we can we, make one person if we can make one person change their opinion like like based on what they're hearing from us i i rest easy yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tremendous, you know. Sounds good to me. Um, well, we've been spending the better part of an hour here at Asbury Park Vibes with World Sucks. Is there any last message you want to tell the people who stumble across our little podcast here? What do you want them to know uh, to sum it up? You first. Oh, hey, geez. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, come... Come see us. Come listen to us. Don't be scared that we're a metal band. You'll probably dig it more than you think you will. Mark? Bang the head that doesn't think. <laughs> That's a good name for a shirt. <laughs> That's in the works. <laughs> in the works. Actually, in our APK, it's, it's, like the short, uh, it's like a short quote for people to be like, what's this band like? Bang the head that doesn't think. You know, just kind of, you know, some kind of thought goes into it. You're not going to, you know... We're not going to have the people that were in heavy metal parking lot <laughs> come to our shows. Uh, <laughs> why not? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> hey, come on, come all, but I just don't think they're going to have a good old time. You, you don't think the 12 pack laying in the parking lot, all sort of half drunk with the BB gun parts laying on the floor, that's not your crowd? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> hey, but like I said, come on, come all, maybe. They're but, welcome. Uh, maybe you, I mean, you want to change minds. Those are the minds. <laughs> right. It's easy, to, it's easy to preach to the people who exactly. uh, agree with you, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Cons just consider yeah. us a lesson. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, we'll awesome. put this together. Awesome. I'll, I'll make sure that there are all the proper links and stuff. Be happy. Be healthy. Be safe. Keep in touch. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys come through uh, Asbury Park. I could easily see you at the Saint. For sure. Uh, playing, playing a lot there. of times back in the day. One of yeah, my favorite places. And, and uh, we'll get some pictures for you. And then when you become famous, I could say I knew you when. <laughs> you can and say it already. I can say it already. Guys, take care. Be well. And thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. Take care. Take care.